He was, oh man, eight? How old were you? Twelve. He was twelve years old and full of trouble. But over the course of time, God began to get a hold of his life. And I'm sure he would tell you he never imagined that one day God would bring him into the ministry. Of course not. You're 12 years old, 13, 14. What do you know? But as he began to mature, the hand of God was evident upon his life. And God's been doing some tremendous things, brought him into the ministry. He's now a director at a Bible college, uh, influencing the next generation for Jesus Christ. And he's turned into an excellent communicator of God's word. And he's here this morning to share the word that God's put in his heart for all of us. So come on, put your hands together. Give a warm welcome to Brother Ralph. Oh, good morning, everyone. Could I ask you to bow your heads and pray with me one more time? Father, we just thank you so much for this day, um, the Lord's day, uh, the day that you have made, and uh, we rejoice, and we're glad in it. Thank you for all that we've already experienced in this service. Thank you for the moments of of worship uh, in your presence. Thank you for the opportunity to remember you the way you told us to. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to take what you have blessed us with in our gifts and to bring to the house um, that which belongs to you. Thank you for the opportunity to do that. Thank you for um, the encouragement that we received um, concerning baptism and opportunities for for Bible studies. Lord, we don't take any of that for granted. And uh, now I just pray for the few moments that we have in your word. Open the eyes of our heart that we might see you. Um, Thank you for the people that can't be in the room uh, because they're taking care of our, our babies, those beautiful arrows, quivers, uh, that are in our house. Thank you. Bless them as they bless our children. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. amen. Come on, would you put your hands together? Who is excited to be in God's house? Um, thank you, Pastor Miss Yvonne, for having me back. Um, I'm not going to say too much more than that because every time I look at them and I talk about them, I start crying. But y'all didn't come to church to see that, so... I'm not going to do that. Um, Pastor Joey, thank you. We had a great time this weekend. The young adults of your church are extra, extra special. Um, We had such a powerful, uh, precious time together, and I felt like I was honored to witness and to be a part of all that. So, Joey, thanks for inviting me to come hang. Um, And... uh, Yeah, what a beautiful time. I have to tell you, church, um, that the future is is bright. And that is because you have so many sharp, bright, anointed, passionate, powerful uh, young people. And so I want to just acknowledge them and thank God for for them. 
Um, you know, we're blessed to, to have them in the house. Um, and they're also blessed to, to have all of you because they need you to support them and encourage them. Uh, there's that little story in, uh, in the Bible where Moses is up on the mountain and he's got his hands up. And as long as he's got his hands up, Joshua, the next generation, they're winning. But when they put their hands down, they start losing. And after the battle, the text says, make sure Joshua hears this. Because if Joshua was doing his thing, he might've thought that it was his skill and his flow and his swag. And so it was as if God was saying, make sure Joshua knows that the only reason why he won that battle was because there were some elders, some saints that were with their hands up in the air praying for the victory. And so we need them and they need you. And that's the way God has designed it. Uh, I'm excited for tonight, seven o'clock, as Pastor mentioned. It's going to be a good, good time. If you're taking notes, uh, the title of this morning's message is uh, Unexpected Visitation. Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, Unexpected Visitation. Turn to your second choice neighbor and say, Unexpected Visitation. Our teaching text for this morning uh, comes from the Gospel of Luke, the 24th chapter, and we're going to bob and weave through this text today, beginning at verse 13, and we'll get there in a moment. But if I had to summarize this sermon in a sentence, I would say that unexpected Jesus showed up in an unexpected way which led to an unexpected outcome. Os Guinness says this, Jesus made it clear that the kingdom of God is organic and not organizational. It grows like seed and it works like leaven, secretly, invisibly, surprisingly, and irresistibly. And we're going to see these kingdom qualities, attributes play out in today's text. Luke records this account of two disciples on the road to Emmaus. These events take place post-resurrection. And we know that Jesus, after the crucifixion and resurrection, he spent 40 additional days on earth before his ascension. And I've always been fascinated by Jesus' decision to remain on earth an additional 40 days after his resurrection. Think about it for a moment. You resurrect from the dead. You don't get any bigger than that. Okay? I just go. But he doesn't go. He feels the need to stick around a little longer to take care of some unfinished business. Jesus' unexpected visitations to people tell me so much about who Jesus is. For example, 
the unexpected visit to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. She recognizes Jesus when he calls her name Mary because that's what she needed. Or how about the unexpected visit to Thomas where he gets to see the holes in Jesus's hands because that's what he needed. Or what about the unexpected visit to Peter on the beach where he gets three affirmations for his three denials and he's restored to his assignment because that's what he needed. And how about the unexpected visit to these two disciples traveling on the road to Emmaus, our text for today. And we begin with verse 13, and it reads like this. Now that same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up, walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. We're introduced to two disciples. Some commentators believe they could have been a couple. Um, They are on the road and they're headed to a place called Emmaus. And the Bible tells us unexpected Jesus shows up in an unexpected way and the text tells us that they're kept from recognizing him. It could be that Jesus had his glorified body. How many of you are looking forward to your glorified body? Okay, I'm tired of wearing my t-shirt in the pool every summer. (laughs) Or it could have been that they were so overwhelmed by the cosmic disappointment that if Jesus was standing in front of them, they couldn't see him. We're going to see this in a moment, but let me just cut to the chase. They left Jerusalem because of their cosmic disappointment. They left Jerusalem because of their cosmic disappointment. They just spent the last three years following Jesus, watching him do miracles, preaching the kingdom, that his kingdom was going to come, that he was going to establish his kingdom on earth. But the last time they saw him, he was hanging on a cross being crucified. You don't need me to tell you this morning that that was a cosmic disappointment. And so it is with us today. We go through life. I thought he was the one. I thought she was the one. I thought that was the job. I thought God was going to heal. I was believing for a different outcome. And at times, life deals us crushing blows that lead to cosmic disappointment. Let's listen in on the conversation that picks up in verse 17. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? The Bible says they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas said, are you 
Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here, there, in these days? Look up here real quick. I want you to pick up on a little bit of the sarcasm in the tone. Um, it would be the equivalent of saying, hey, uh, why is everyone wearing a mask? Huh? Like, bro, where you been? Jesus continues. What things? About Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Verse 21, but we had hoped. You don't have to be a grammarian to know that that's past tense. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb, found it as the women said, but they did not see Jesus. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel. I don't have to say this, but they're talking to Jesus about Jesus, but they don't know yet that it's Jesus. Which leads me to my first point this morning. If you're taking notes, write this down. Unexpected visitation. We can't talk about unexpected Jesus without talking about our expected expectations. Whether we like to admit this or not, we love the now of the kingdom more than the not yet of his kingdom. We're not really comfortable living in this glorious tension. So when we encounter struggle or disappointment or a not yet delay or some cosmic disappointment, a global pandemic, a death of a loved one, the loss of a job, church hurt, we don't have a robust theology to make sense of suffering. And if you have a version of Christianity that only says when you give your life to Jesus and everything's gonna be up and to the right, when something happens in your life, if you can't make sense of it, you do what the disciples do. You turn your back, you leave, you go, because it doesn't make any sense. And even if you do have a good understanding. We all struggle to make sense of the moments that make no sense. Can I get a good honest amen? Yes. 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 Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. These two disciples walked away from Jerusalem because their hearts were sick. These two disciples were distraught by the drama and the trauma of the crucifixion and the only plausible option, so they thought, was to walk away, leave the church, leave the assembly, leave Jesus with their words echoing in the atmosphere we had hoped. 
We had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. I think it's equally significant to note that it's possible, some commentators argue that it is possible, that one of the reasons they decided to go to Emmaus is because historically, Emmaus represented a place where political victory almost happened. It was as if they were going back to what used to be. This didn't work out, so let me just go back to what used to be. Which begs the question, where do you go when you're disappointed? What is your Emmaus road? We all have one. Might be career, might be education, might be money, might be a relationship, might be a consumption, might be a vice, might be uh, some substance, might be entertainment. Here's the deal. We already know it doesn't work, but in our desperation and disappointment, like a computer, when it resets, we revert to our default settings. And we see in the text that although these two disciples turn their backs on Jesus, Jesus doesn't turn his back on them. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny himself. He just keeps showing up. I stand at the door and knock. How is God coming to you this morning? Well, this unexpected visitation leads to my second point, unexpected revelation. Verse 25, he said to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus's rebuke points to the problem. In essence, Jesus points to their limited, partial, incomplete understanding of who he is and what his kingdom is like. This is why Jesus often preached, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like, what he was trying to do was to give them understanding of what his kingdom was like. I can't believe that Jesus's answer to their cosmic disappointment was a Bible study. A Bible study. Miss Yvonne just encouraged us a few moments ago to consider a Bible study. And you can look at it one of two ways. The church plans something and I have to decide whether I can just add that to the plethora of things I have to do or I can see the life-giving opportunity and benefit of putting myself in a position to say I need to be in the presence of God and around the word of God. Yes. Jesus plans a Bible study. He patiently moves through the scriptures explaining to them concerning himself. In my imagination, I wonder what it must have been like when they got to Isaiah 53 
and unpack the suffering servant. Could you imagine the word incarnate unpacking the word written? You don't get a better sermon than that. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. This unexpected visitation leads to unexpected revelation, which leads to my third point for today, unexpected hospitality. Verse 28 says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther, but they urged him, stay with us for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it. Took bread, gave thanks, broke it. And began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and then he disappeared from their sight. Two disciples, disappointed, turned their back on God, on Jerusalem, in the opposite direction. Bible study, they go through the scriptures and now I believe that after the Bible study with Jesus, their hearts are being softened and strengthened in his presence. Because now, even though they don't know it's Jesus, they want him to stay. They still don't know it's him, but there's something intriguing. There's something attractive. There's something irresistible about the woo and the draw of Jesus. And guess what? Jesus stays because when Jesus is invited, he stays. The Bible says that in this moment of hospitality, while these two disciples are entertaining a stranger, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it. Took bread, gave thanks, broke it. And the Bible says something very interesting. The Bible says, then. Turn to your neighbor and say, then. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him for who he is. I want you to know that this is the moment that I live for. When someone sees Jesus for themselves. Did you notice when it happened? It didn't happen in church, although that's important. It didn't happen in the Bible study, although that was helpful and important. It happened over a meal, a miracle over a meal. All the miracles that await us if we're willing to live as missional people. People don't just want to hear a good sermon, they want to see one. Titus 2.10. The Apostle Paul told Titus to live in such a way so that in every way they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. They took the bread, gave thanks. I wonder if in this moment Jesus is doing a bit of show and tell. It's as if Jesus is saying, I can show you better than I can tell you. I wonder if these two disciples in that moment when Jesus took the bread, broke it, and gave thanks that they remembered the moments when Jesus would break the bread and tell them 
that he was going to be broken and bruised and that his blood would be shed on the cross. And that's why a few moments ago we did and remembered the Lord the way he told us to because his body would be broken and his blood would be shed. And it was, it was as if Jesus was reminding the disciples, I told you that the cross was part of the process. And so they find that encouragement in his presence. Well, this unexpected visitation led to unexpected revelation, which led to unexpected hospitality, which leads to my last point. Musicians, if you could help me, please. Number four, unexpected fire. Verse 32. Now they're talking. After the Bible study, after being in the presence of Jesus, after some hospitality, now they're talking to each other. Listen to what they're saying. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the 11 and those that were assembled and they're saying, it's true. The Lord has risen. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Oh my word. What? This is the first time we get a glimpse into what was going on in their hearts. And they said, our hearts burned our hearts were on fire. I don't think I need to remind you, but remember how this remember how this account started. Their backs were turned. They were disappointed. They were leaving. You're telling me that a few moments in the presence of Jesus and a few moments in the scriptures and a few moments of hospitality you're telling me that all of that was enough to set their hearts on fire and to change their direction? You know what that sounds like? That sounds like church. That sounds like Sunday. That sounds like the Lord's day. That we could come into the house any old way we want, but a little bit of time in his presence and a little bit of time in his word and a little bit of time with the people of God experiencing the love of God. You're telling me that that's enough to set my heart on fire and to send me in a different direction? Yep. Yep. Any given Sunday, any given Sunday, I've been coming to church for almost three decades and every Sunday I come to church not to punch in a religious time clock not to go through the motions but because I know Jesus and this Sunday like every other Sunday here's what I know he's moving all of heaven and all of earth to find one person so disappointed that they thought the only option was to turn their back. And so you know what Jesus does? He comes.
comes with an unexpected visit. You thought you were going to come in, come out, go home, watch basketball. I almost said football. There ain't no more football. <laughs> and God's like, nah, nah, nah today. Not today. Acts 2.42 says about the early church, they gave themselves over to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayer. They got up at once. You know what I love about, you know what I love about people whose hearts are on fire? You don't really have to tell them what to do. How is it that they instinctively knew that the right thing for them to do was to turn around and go find the rest of the queue, the the rest of the crew, and to get back into fellowship and to get back into community? Why? Because their heart was on fire. Can I tell you something? When your heart's on fire, everything's on fire. Your calendar's on fire. Your wallet's on fire. Everything is on fire. You give God time. You give God your talent. You give God your treasure. Why? Because when you're set on fire, you're motivated intrinsically by the Spirit of God, not someone asking you, not someone begging you, not someone trying to coerce you. Are you kidding me? This is why the Apostle Paul said, it's in view of God's mercy that you give your life as an offering. It's in light of what God has done, that he died on the cross, that he saved you. And when you get that revelation and you operate from that place, God, my time, yours. My resources, yours. My voice, yours. My talent, yours. And I love when they get back. They go, they go back and they find the community and all they can say is, yeah, it's true, it's true, it's true. Not because somebody else said it. It's true because we experienced him for ourselves. It's true, it's true. The best, the best witness is when you can say, I know it. I know it for myself. He came to me on this day and I heard his voice. He came to me on that day and I felt his presence. He came to me on that day and he set my heart on fire. They're not talking about what had happened. It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean that the disappointment's not real. It doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. But when your heart gets set on fire, it almost doesn't matter. Because all you could talk about is the encounter that you had with Jesus. Um, where's, the, where's the clock? You have a clock? Time, no, the time. What's my time? Yeah, I gotta tell them, I have time for a story. Yeah, okay. Um, I got time? Okay, so we're going to be here for the next four hours. I'm going to part two. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Um, okay, let me, tell, let me tell you the story and then we'll pray. Um, one of my happy places um, is the beach. I love the beach. I love the ocean. And 
I'm, I'm, I live in New York. Um, I was born and raised in Brooklyn, Queens. And now we live like Queens, but not too far from Long Island. So I like to go to the Hamptons in the summer. We take drives on the day. And uh, a few years ago, when the kids were small, we all went to, this was one of the first times we went to, to the Hamptons. And, uh, you know, when Spanish people go to the beach, um, that's a whole, like, um, we bring all our food. Um, we tell the kids that they can't go and deep in the water because of Jaws, the Chupacabra, all these different things. And then we have these rules that we say, like, what did you eat? Hot dog. Okay, you can't go in the water for an hour. What did you eat? Uh, ham and cheese. Okay, 30 minutes. And you're like, wow, where did you, like, that's not even on Google. Like, where do you get, where do you get this stuff from? And uh, so we go to the beach and I give them the rundown. You could only swim from here to here and all the, the rules. For the most part, during the day, the kids were fine. They listened. I met this guy, old guy, he's like a local so I like talking to the locals. I want to find out where the good spots to eat, what's it like to be here. And so I'm having a great time talking to this old man all day. And I noticed that as the day got later, that the kids, um, I'd be talking, I look up, and they're not in the section I told them to stay in. They're like over there. Now, I told you I was from Brooklyn, right? So... When you go to the beach, like in Brooklyn, Coney Island, like you could yell, you could beat your kids, like you could do anything. But when you're in the Hamptons, it's a little different. So the first time I yelled, and then I got that stare, like, you know that stare, like there goes the neighborhood, like. So I had to learn that when you're in the Hamptons, you, you gotta yell different. So I'm like, Aaron Christopher, get over here or else I won't pay for your college tuition. Yeah, switch it up. Y'all know, know your audience. And uh, I find myself having to call them back over and over. Hey! 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 Finally, homeboy over here, Mr. Local, sees me doing this all day. He waits to the end of the day to tell me why that's happening. This is what he said. They're not ignoring you. They're not doing that on purpose. Here's the problem. The day is getting late and the tide is coming in and so it's forcing them to drift. And then he said this, just keep encouraging them to come back when you see them drift. And I thought, I wonder if that's what God does with us. It's not that we drift. It's that he just, he wants us to come back. And so he calls us. Service after service. Small group after small group. Youth group after youth group. Gathering after gathering. His presence and his word. His presence and his word. What is he doing? Hey, come back. Yeah, but look at how far I am. Come back. I almost drowned. Come back. 
feel like moments like this because we overthink. God is throwing the life jacket to save us and we're like, uh, orange is not my color. You're drowning. You need help and you know it and everybody around you knows it. It would be a travesty if you feel the presence of God knocking and calling and wooing and you resist this moment. The Bible says it often today. If you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. Here's how I think we'll pray and I'll trust that pastor will lead us through this time. But just a couple of thoughts here just to close out. Number one, I think for some of you, um, today's a surprise visitation. You, you didn't even see it coming. I can't tell you those times God comes in my life, I don't even see it coming. He's like, just feel the weight of it. Ah, for, that's, for some of you, that's you. I, I think for some of us, we were reminded today of how important this book is. This is how we know him. Everything is here. Lord, would you give me a hunger and a thirst for your word? Do you know that the longest song in the Bible is about the word of God? Because I think when the psalmist got on the word of God, he couldn't stop, he couldn't stop, he couldn't stop. The longest psalm, Psalm 119, is about the word of God. Lord, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things. You want to know Jesus? Eat this book. You want to know Jesus? Get into this word. And so maybe some of you are here and say, man, I, I, I'm so distracted. I, I got I to gotta binge this and binge. Why don't you binge the psalms? Why don't you binge the book of Philippians? It's only four chapters. You can binge the book of Colossians, it's only four chapters. Uh, you could binge the book of Jude, it's only one. You could read it and then you could be like, yeah, I'm, I read the word of God. I already, I already read one book. It's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. Maybe, maybe, maybe you were encouraged today to live more missionally. I'm, I gotta say one thing about these two disciples. They were going through a lot of stuff, but they had room to entertain a stranger. I don't know about you, but when I go through stuff, I'm like, I don't got time for your problems. I got my own problems. But these two disciples in the midst of their cosmic disappointment, they were able to entertain a stranger. They didn't know it was Jesus, but they were able to do that. I wonder what it would look like in our imperfect life and struggles, maybe a coworker, a friend, somebody that you work next to, the supermarket, the cleaners, the Uber driver, that God might open up a door this week for you to just invite to church or share the love or just be more missional. And then maybe lastly, it's this last quarter category. You would just say, um, man, I just want to, I know what that fire was like. I used to have that fire. I want that fire again. Or if you have the fire and you want to just throw more wood in the fire. Say, God, would you just set me on fire? I don't want to waste the time that I have on earth. I don't want to waste my time, my money on trivial, peripheral, shallow, civilian affair kind of things when you could be using my life for something significant. So whatever one of those four categories or maybe something completely different, could I invite you to just stand to your feet and would you close your eyes and I assume the worship team will come and we'll sing a little bit and then pastor will come and lead us through the rest of our time. But as we pray, ask the Lord, how is he coming to you specifically today?